0: I will be commenting specifically from verse 13 to 28, but I am reading the whole chapter today of the resurrection. I will comment on the whole chapter a little bit, but I will specifically speak about one story. Before I read, I'll let everybody get a chance to get to Luke 24. I will be reading out of the ESV, so if you took a Bible from the pew, it'll be a little different, okay? But you can follow along. Tell me when everybody's there. Everybody's there? The girls are waiting for the girls. That's okay. Can everybody hear me? Okay. Okay. As we read, we're going to read three stories. There are three different stories in chapter 24, three episodes. They all have two main themes in it. Of course, one is what? Resurrection. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. One person knew. Okay, besides me. The resurrection and the other one is the Word of God. Listen to the three narratives. There are three narratives. There are three episodes. There are three individual stories all pointing to the same thing. The resurrection and the Word of God. And today's title is According to the Scriptures. So please follow me as we go through these three stories and listen to how the text speaks about the resurrection and the Word of God. (coughs) But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking spices they had prepared. And they found the stone all the way from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified, and on the third day rise? Verse 8, and they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told them these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to be idle to them. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. Story two. That very day, two of them were going to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things that which had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Clopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here these, these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all people. And how our chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that it was he that would redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women in our company were amazed. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that he had seen, they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, "'Stay with us, for it is toward the evening, and the day is now far spent.' So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, "'Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up to us the Scriptures?' And they rose that hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told him what happened on the road, how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Story 3. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, see my feet, that it is myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still in disbelief for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father to you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Let's hold right there. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the word. We thank you for the truth, the historical reality, the spiritual reality of the resurrection. We thank you for our own spiritual resurrections from the spiritual dead. We thank you, God, that we know he's alive because he's alive in us. We thank you that you have gave us the scriptures. We thank you that you have given us song. We thank you that you have given us hope and peace and power. We thank you, O God, that we know that there's more to life than what we see in this little temple world we live in, God. Thank you for giving us true hope, true peace, and true joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I chose to uh, read the whole text. I want you to see a theme that's in that whole chapter. And of course, it's the resurrection, but how in each story, either the angel or Christ is pointing them to what? the scriptures and how important it is that we do everything according to the scriptures last week as I spoke on Palm Sunday I spoke about the crowd that welcomed Jesus do you remember how all the fanfare was going up and they were all proclaiming on Palm Sunday Hosanna 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 they were worshiping him as the king coming into Jerusalem but unfortunately uh, there was no true personal faith in their hearts and when the time came only seven days later what did they cry out Crucifying The same crowd that welcomed him on a whole. Not all, we'll find that out tonight. The majority rejected him. Only a few days earlier, they were receiving him because he held out some kind of promise for them. But when the promise wasn't fulfilled what they liked, guess what? They turned on him. The story we're going to study tonight is similar, but from another perspective. In that crown of finicky faith and unbelief, with genuine disciples. Mm-hmm. These genuine disciples are represented here by these friends. One name is Corpus, the other one we don't know. But these were the genuine disciples. They were in the crowd. They were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. But when everybody else turned against Christ, they didn't. They still held out hope. They had more than the superficial beliefism. Theirs was a real but uninformed faith. Can you say that with me? Real, real and uninformed. There are many people running around today to have a real faith, but it's uninformed. Mm-hmm. And they go around and uh, uh, sort of glaze. Mm-hmm. They had more than a superficial beliefism. It? it was just uninformed. They did not believe in all that the prophets have said. You see, People then, like people today, cherry-picked the Old Testament prophecies. Took a little bit of this, took a little bit of that. That looks good, that looks good. Let's put it together and form a theology of God, and that's what it is. See, they cherry-picked prophecies concerning the Messiah. They saw the great promises of a restored Israel. That sounded good to a, a Jew 2,000 years ago. But they did not see the promises of a new Israel. That's the problem. They saw a promise of a restored. The Bible talks about a renewed, a new Israel. In Israel, the people of God is what it means, which compromises both Jew and Gentile. This new Israel is not a physical nation. It's a spiritual entity of the heart. It's characterized by a new heart towards God. True Worshipping obedience from the heart where the whole person is imo- involved. The mind, the affections, and the will are involved in worshipping God. That's the new Israel. Both Jew and Gentile come together. And the, ground, and the grand foundation to this new Israel, the spiritual entity where Jew and Gentile live together in harmony and in unity, worshipping Jehovah, is the common ground they now share in Jesus' life and sacrificial death personally on their behalf not for a nation but for individuals from all nations making one new man a new creation out of the two see they missed that they were looking for Messiah to come in and do something for their nation we were hoping those two friends said that he was going to redeem Israel put it back on the map which she once was under King David and King Solomon And the other great kings of the Old Testament, that's what they were looking for. God had something else in mind. You see, the Old Testament promised a restoration to Israel, to be sure. But there was a bigger, overarching plan for all humanity that Israel and these two disciples missed. That Israel and these two disciples were only part of something much bigger, much more global. Every tribe, nation, man, and tongue would be represented. Black and white, male and female, rich and poor, made no difference, all inclusive. They missed this. And Jesus points them to the problem. They were slow to heart to believe in what? All the scriptures. You can't cherry pick 66 books of the Bible. You cannot go into over 1,000 chapters and say, I like that. Like you're shopping somewhere at Nordstrom's or Macy's and saying, that looks good. And Well, we'll do without that. And give me some of this and give me a couple of those. And it's not a buffet. You, you eat it all or you eat it none. Amen. They were slow to heart to believe in all the scriptures. Let me give you some fast application before we even move on. Cherry-picked gospel filled with empty promises and half-truths, will always lead people to some degree of despondency, some degree of sadness, like these two disciples. They believe half of the prophets. They believe in half of the prophecies. So when the prophecies didn't come to pass, guess what? They were bewildered. Their hopes and dreams were dashed to pieces. God wasn't pulling through for them. Has anybody ever thought that before? Has anybody ever heard that from someone? God's not pulling through. He said, You'll never leave me nor forsake me. And he wouldn't. But he also said that it's been granted to us not just to believe, but to suffer for his name. Let's make sure we're people never to pick and choose one thing over another. We've got to take the whole scripture. All Christians need to be aware of this. It's a human tendency, it really is. It's a very human tendency to take the good stuff and don't read the fine. Jesus died for my sins. This is great. All my sins are forgiven. I, I thank you, Jesus. Pick up your cross and follow me. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. The, the evangelist didn't tell me that. The evangelist told me your sins are forgiven. I like that. The pastor's telling me, pick up your cross and become more like Jesus. That's a different story. But you understand, right? Okay, it's a human tendency. All of us have that. But a genuine salvation leads to genuine change. Let me talk about contextually. There are two main themes that run throughout the, the chapter I told you already. One, he's alive. And the other one is according to the scriptures. All three stories have those two components in it. While everyone is marveling at the risen Christ, it's only Jesus and the angels that are pointing them to the scriptures. Jesus is always pointing them to the scriptures, and there's a reason why, too. Okay, we'll get into that when we get to that part of the text. And his words. These three episodes in this chapter have all these components in it. Like I said, we read it in the angels, verses six, seven, and eight. The angels said he is not here, but he's risen resurrection. Remember how I told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified, on the third day rise again. Then, it says they remembered his words. The second one we have already read. I want to read the third one again. Verse 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets... And the Psalms must be fulfilled, and not just that, he says that he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day, rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. So we see here two things. That Christ's words about himself are steeped in Old Testament prophecies. And that all nations are included. This is the new Israel. It's a new creation. And as we go through the book of Acts, you are seeing these very words being fulfilled in the book of Acts. The gospel is now going for a whole new venue. It's going throughout from Jerusalem Jerusalem to the edge of most parts of the world and every people from every tribe, nation, and tongue are coming in. You see, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus along with the rest of the nation, they missed this. They missed it. They were so consumed with their nation. You and I could be so consumed with, uh, I could be so consumed with the ministry. I could be so consumed, you could be so consumed that we miss what God is what? Am I right or not? It's so easy. It's so easy to miss what God is doing when our eyes are focused on what we want God to do for us. Mm -hmm. And God's saying, I'm doing something all the time. Open up your eyes. Mm -hmm. So it's important to our understanding. Listen. So it's important to our understanding of Christ's words to these two disciples and to the whole resurrection story that the resurrection is not just... About Jesus being raised, but it's much bigger. We're here today, we're celebrating Easter, we're celebrating the resurrection. Yeah, of course, but we have to understand something that Jesus is teaching us here. It's much bigger than that. It's about the fulfillment of God's eternal plan of making a people for himself. And that each, each individual that comes to Christ is part of the plan. We're part of it. We're part of his plan, his narrative. We enter into something much bigger, much grander. Paul calls it in Galatians 6, the new Israel, according to the scriptures. Let's go to our story. I'm going to start in verse, t- verse 13. I'm just going to go through the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And see what we can learn about this. I'll read verses 13, 14, 15, and 16. And I'll make some comments. That very day, two of them were going to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking in the discussion together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So Christ is incognito. He's probably got a pair of Ray-Bans on.
1: You know what I mean? You know,
0: just like a little dressed up, downplaying the whole situation, hiding his scars. But there he is. He's walking with them. In our story tonight, we're going to see Jesus acting like, the, like an innocent bystander. Oh, by the way, what happened? An innocent visitor. Purposely, God is hiding their eyes from recognizing who it is that's the stranger that's walking with them. He's just walking over here in their conversation. No big deal. Most likely doing it from a little bit of a distance until he's more invited into the conversation. This sets the stage for his marvelous unveiling. And don't miss this. At dinner. That intimate setting when he breaks the bread and their eyes are opened. This sets the stage. Everything we're going to find out in this little walk sets the stage for the unveiling. But for now, it serves as a vehicle of investigation and then exhortation. Verse 17 goes on. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Jesus', questions to them, Jesus question to them goes to show the sad state that they were in. They were despondent, they, they, they were hopeless. I mean, the word said means gloomy and downcast. Their face was downcast. He could see that the conversation and the words they were engaged in was not religious joy. It was religious defeat. They were in a state of defeat. All their hopes and all their dreams were in that one man. One man. Are you a Christian today? (laughs) Yay. Well, hopefully you will be one tomorrow. <laughs> or after the sermon. <laughs> Do you not know that all our hopes and dreams, everything is in one man? Yes. Everything is in one man. Jesus Christ. Everything. When I stand before God, before, when you stand before God, we have nothing but to say but, Jesus died for my sins. Thank you, Father. That's it. Thank you. Everything is in one man. And they had everything in this one man. But they weren't listening to the prophets about the one man. They were listening to their own hopes about the one man. They hoped that he would be the one to fulfill their dream and their hope. But they weren't listening to everything the one man said, that he must die and rise again. He said it constantly throughout the Gospels. Throughout three years of ministry, he constantly turned, told them that the Son of Man has to go to Jerusalem and die on the third day to rise again. They didn't hear it. They can't hear it. You know how many times I'm counseling people and telling them things and... No, I won't go there. You know how many times I'm preaching? I won't go there either. It's a human tendency to hear what we want to hear. hear. We got to break that mold. These words set the tone of the whole conversation until Jesus arrived. They were despondent. They were hopeless. They were broken. All their dreams, all their hopes were crucified with Jesus. It was over. For three years they followed a man that raised the dead. They were there most likely when he fed 15,000 people with some fish and when he fed them with a couple of loaves of bread. They were there when the leper was healed. They saw the eyes of the blind open. They saw the ears of the deaf open. They saw him forgive adulterers. They They saw everything and it was there. Surely this has to be the man. And they watched him suffocate to death. Jesus suffocated on the cross. He drowned in his own blood. And there went their dreams. All their hopes. There was nothing now to move them forward in life. Let's go back to Emmaus. Let's go back to our old life. This word says, sets the tone for the next part, 18 to 24. Then one of them named Clopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem that that, that does not know these things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and worded before God and the people. And how our chief priest and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes. And besides all this, it is now the third day since these things had happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said to them that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Jesus is absolutely brilliant. Dude. He's brilliant. you got to see the Christ. He's like, come on, guys. What happened? No, I don't know. I wasn't here. I have no idea. I'm the innocent bystander, you remember? I know nothing. He allows themselves to reveal the real underlying problems to their pain. You see, he's using their hopeless and sad experience as an object lesson in faith. That's why he does it. Do you not know that God allows things to happen to our life to test us and strengthen us in faith? Do you not know that? They did not. We learn the hard way just like they do. Jesus didn't give up on them because they were despondent. He goes on to say, it was the third day, that's what they're saying. It was the third day, I'm paraphrasing, when he said he would rise, but no one saw him. So I guess he didn't. I guess he didn't rise. He gave us a promise he would rise. It's the third day. We watched. We watched them suffocated. We waited around the empty tomb. We waited. And then when people showed up, the women showed up. They got a story about an angelic visitation, but no one saw them. And then the apostles went there. And they didn't see them. We got all these stories, but no one saw them. So, Blessed are you who... And do not see. Even though some of the women saw the angel... And told us because no one really saw him. So we didn't believe either. We got a story about an angel, we got a story about an empty tomb, we got a story about some linen folded up, but no one saw him. That's why we're despondent. We want to see the evidence. Give me the evidence. So without any real hard evidence, guess what? We're not going to believe. You see, Jesus sets the whole tone here. That New Testament religion will be one on faith in him and his work along with trusting in the scriptures and his Word. Has anybody saw... No, don't answer that question. We don't see Christ. Not everybody who's going to be born again is going to see Jesus visually. But we see him with what? The eyes of... When we hear the word of God, God. That's what we got going on here. Watch how Jesus goes about this. Watch him set the whole tongue. He's like, he's he reeling them in. <laughs> gotcha. You all you foolish ones. Listen to him. And he said to them, Oh foolish ones, and slow the heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see, Jesus now shows them the heart of the problem. They are slow of heart to believe in all the scriptures. That's the problem. Not that they didn't see him, but they didn't believe what Moses has spoke of. So because they were slow of heart, he calls them foolish ones. Foolish one doesn't mean stupid. Uh, it actually means dull. Without understanding or without full understanding or, or half understanding because they only believed half of the prophets. They didn't believe in all the prophets. And when you don't believe in all the scriptures, guess what? We're dull in faith. We become sort of half there. Something's still missing. They don't see the big picture. They only see half of the prophets, prophets from an, an Israeli perspective, a Jewish perspective. They see the good half. The only answer to this state of mind and heart, and don't miss this, the only answer to this despondency because of misinterpretation This sadness and gloominess of life, this abject hopelessness, his only antidote for it is a full disclosure of all the scriptures. Jesus could have just revealed to him right there, I am the Christ, but he waited to the breaking of bread, amen? But how does he go about to heal them? By interpreting the scriptures properly, That's how he heals their heart. Listen, the only answer to their state is a proper interpretation of the scriptures. A proper interpretation has a beginning. You begin with Moses, that's Genesis. You go through the prophets, that's historical Old Testament. Then you go through the Psalms, that's the songs and the wisdom. You go through the whole Old Testament and he showed them how he must suffer, how he must die. And how on the third day he must rise again. He showed them from the scriptures that's how he healed them. Not cherry picking. Listen. So they drew near to the village to, to which they were going. And he acted as if he wasn't going to go any further. But they urged him strongly saying, Stay with us. For it's towards, the, it's towards the evening. The day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And then they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up the scriptures? When did their hearts burn? When they recognized the Christ, or when they understood the scriptures? Do you see it? Do you see the comparison? Do you see it? Their hearts were healed. Not when they saw Him, but when they heard Him speak the Scriptures. Understand something. Because of Jesus' proper interpretation of the Scriptures, their hearts were healed and set on fire. Their hearts were not healed and set on fire when they recognized Him as the Messiah. Their hearts were healed and their hearts were set on fire when they had a proper interpretation of who Jesus Christ is. From being despondent only hours before because of misunderstanding. To being filled with hope again because of proper interpretation. This is powerful. This is the message of our text. Jesus is pointing him to the scriptures. He's saying, I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to ascend. Soon I'll be ascending into heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And you are going to have to live by faith and the uh, scriptures. This is powerful many, many, many people their hearts burned within them when they saw him by faith in the scriptures please please, look up, come on, look up please, look up, this is it this is the crescendo alright, you ready? are you ready? Yes. come on, I worked on this come on, look alive chew gum gum. (laughs) jumping jacks, push ups anything if you leave with anything today leave with this this is what I write in red their hearts burned within them when they saw him in the scriptures by faith then and only then did they see him in person Jesus wanted them to recognize him in the scriptures before they recognized him with the natural eye. He wanted to feed the eyes of faith before he revealed himself to the natural eye. The lesson was learned. The heart's burned within him. And now I can reveal myself to you. You learned the lesson. Go to the scriptures. Let's go to application. I am going to say that again. I like this so much. <laughs> I want to keep on saying it to you to remember it. Their hearts burned within them when they saw him by scripture, in the scriptures by faith. Can you read the scriptures and your heart melt? Or do you have to have the happy song all the time? Do you have to have the hands laid on you? Do you have to get all worked up? Can you read the Bible and get excited for Jesus? Can you read the scriptures and say he's alive? Can you see it in the word of God? I hoped. God, I hope you can. With all my prayers, I know we pray here that your minds will be open to the scriptures and you will see Christ everywhere. Application. Only two, maybe three or four. This is an apt metaphor for life. Listen. Life is a lonely journey when you walk without Christ. Those two disciples, though they had one another, there was one sad soul trying to comfort another sad soul. When you got one sad soul comforting another sad soul, guess what you have? It, that's souls. all you have. And until Jesus steps into that conversation, that's all it's ever going to be. Amen. Two sad souls. It reminds me of that Pete Floyd song. What is it? Two goldfish fish in a fish bowl year after year. That's all it is. This is going around and, around and around and around and around and around until Jesus steps into it. There is no hope. It's despondency. That is all it is. We too got to be careful. Application two. That each every one of us here there's a super narrative over your life That when we come to Christ We enter into something so much bigger than ourselves So much greater We can get lost I can lose my selfishness In the body of Christ I can lose being a sinner In the body of Christ I can be I can turn from Taking from people emotionally And taking from people physically Taking from people financially And taking from people uh, psychologically And taking and become a giver And to become a restorer, become an encourager, become part of giving life and not stealing it. Because there's something bigger over us. And now I don't mind being a wallflower on the church of God. I don't need to be the main man anymore. I can sit back and let everybody else get the applause because I just want Jesus to get the applause. That's all we, we step out of it now. We're not all that important. Think about it. If you really come to a place in your life and you say, So I'm really not that important. As a matter of fact, one day I'm going to die, and probably within two or three years, maybe ten times, people are going to forget about me. It's over. My little bit of glory has faded away. Yes. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. Let me give you a secret about us. We're not all that much. We're not all that important. Trust me. <laughs> the third thing here is the, the overwhelming emphasis on scriptural understanding of Christ. A proper, inter- a proper interpretation of Christ is like healing bomb of Gilead. It's medicine. It's a pound of cure. It's an ounce of prevention. It's everything the soul needs. The soul can't find hope and restoration in another human being. It can't be found in drugs and alcohol. You cannot find it in sex. You can't find it in vanity. You can't find it anywhere else what the soul needs for its despondency is not offered by this world it's found in the person of Christ as revealed to us in the scriptures Amen. and I'll close with this last one pastorally as a pastor I see more damage done in the kingdom due to half truth and misinterpretations than all the sin in the world you would think that's impossible Brian no When you have all your hope and half of Jesus, you have no Jesus. Period. He'll do nothing for you in this life Mm -hmm. and he certainly can do nothing for you in the next life. Father, this Resurrection Day. I just pray with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I ask everyone to be reverent at this moment on Resurrection Day. And I ask if there's any man, woman, or child in this room that wants to start a conversation with Jesus, to start a new walk with Jesus, I ask you to say this prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Lord Jesus, I repent of all my sins. Lord Jesus, come into my life and give me eternal life, and hope. Lord Jesus, I ask you tonight to be my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you meant that, please understand God will do something brand new in your life. Speak to me, speak to Pastor John, speak to one of the girls, but speak to us. God bless you.